On your journey through life, you are the hero. There are times, however, when it is beneficial to have an advisor to guide you along your path. Welcome to the Smart Money Simplified Podcast with Brent Mikosh, Certified Financial Planner, Certified Investment Management Analyst, and Co-Founder of MP Advisors, LLC. In this podcast, Brent discusses some of the most important and interesting topics of the day as they relate to finance, the economy, and beyond. Now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to Smart Money Simplified with Brent Mikosh. Brent, what's going on, my man? We got less than two weeks to the end of the year, at least as we're recording this. This one probably won't drop until January, but uh, I'm just kind of amazed that 2022 is almost in the rearview mirror. How about yourself? Yeah, it's like a snowball rolling downhill fast. Really fast. (laughs) Yeah, really fast. I don't know how it goes this fast every year. But yeah, no, I'm excited. I'm excited about the fact that you've got a guest from across the pond today. I do, yeah. uh, Yeah, this is going to be a great interview. I think it's really, it's a good one and it's timely as well. I've got Ian Mills with me and he's the CEO and founding director of Transform Performance International. And they're a global mm-hmm. advisory firm that offers solutions to clients' business performance challenges. And what we want to talk about, he's written several books. I just received this one yesterday, looking very forward to reading. It's The Salesperson's Secret Code. And I think that, you know, the mindset and the belief systems that cause people to be successful as salespeople uh, really translate into all areas of life. My, my father had, had a, a comment that he made to me and, and Ian when we spoke about a week or so ago echoed that. And he said, you know, everybody is selling something. It doesn't matter if uh, a doctor's trying to sell you whatever he's trying to do. Everybody is selling something. And I think that sometimes sales can be viewed as a four-letter word. I've never viewed it to be that way. But I think that there's people that are top performers in sales and I think if if they're good, at, if they're top performers in sales in one industry, I think that translates to almost any industry. And I think it translates to all areas of your life. So I'm really excited to have this conversation. And Ian, uh, it's, it's evening, it's late evening for you in the United Kingdom. I'm taking you away from a nice glass of wine to have this conversation with me. So thank you for joining me today. That's quite all right. It's um, actually, it, it's late afternoon. So I'm on the uh, downhill slope. <laughs> To that, uh, to that said glass of wine. So, um, uh, and really appreciate your comments. And by the way, couldn't couldn't agree more. I mean, there's a there's a famous or well known U.S. Um, author called Dan Pink, and at the very beginning of one of his books, you know, he makes the statement that everybody sells. So, frankly, whether you're a parent trying to convince your kids to go to bed on time, or you're a funeral director trying to sell your services, it doesn't it doesn't really matter what is on your calling card. We all have to influence others towards a particular direction or destination very much so and i think that um and there's there's a difference between between influencing people towards a direction or something that might be useful and beneficial for them uh versus you know the idea that people have of a salesman in their mind can sometimes tend toward maybe the bad experience of somebody that was sold something that they didn't necessarily need but i think that the best salespeople that i have met are people that are almost evangelical about what it is in terms of a good or a service that they're offering the public. And has that been your experience as well? Absolutely. So um, so the, the, the difference in somebody who's, who's got great skill and talent who manipulates you versus somebody who's got great skill and talent who helps add, add value is, is, is centered on your morals, your values, and the ethics by which you, by which you operate. So it's like anything in life, you know, you can you can misuse talent for the bad or you can use it for the good. Um, in my humble opinion, in the corporate world and the business world, most people are trying to do the right thing. Um, everybody comes to work wanting to do a good job. It doesn't mean they always do a good job. You know, many of us might pull the wrong lever or engage in the wrong way or antagonize somebody. Um but we all came to work wanting to do a great job, wanting to make a difference, wanting to add value, wanting to do something positive. So the whole kind of psychology of trust and engagement and selling and leading and all of those things is is is, is fascinating. So what have you, this book is, is incredibly well researched and I'm looking forward to over the next week or so spending some more time with it. But what are some of the common traits that you have found with people that are top performers in their fields? 
Okay, so um, so it's worth just dispositioning what the book is about. You touched on it a moment ago. What it centres on, or what the research centres on, are the belief systems that cause people to behave in the way they behave. Now, this is really important. So if you think about entrepreneurs, salespeople, leaders, the psychology goes as follows. The belief you hold calls you to behave in the way you behave, and the way you behave will cause you to be the success that you are or you potentially are not. So if if as an individual you want to up your game, or if you're a leader and you want to up the game of your people, um, it is potentially more transformational to focus on the deep-rooted internal beliefs rather than the skill, the knowledge, the process, the method. It's not to say that those things don't have a place, but they're easier to fix. So if you think about skill, skill is developed through relentless practice. So we can all do that. Knowledge is acquired through studying. Developing the right mindset and the right attitude and the right perspective is really difficult because quite often we grow up developing that mindset and that perspective. And to to change those deep-rooted views and perspectives is really is, is really quite difficult. So when we did the research, given the fact that I've been in the business world now for over 40 years, I said this slightly arrogantly. I thought I knew what the answer was. But my academic advisor said, Ian, when you do research, you can't start by believing you know what the answer is. You know, you've got to do the blank piece of paper research to evidence um, whatever the philosophy is you're, 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 you're trying to explore. So what we didn't know when we started the research is, is, is there a different mindset between the top performers and the rest? But what I can tell you, having done over a thousand interviews um, and gathered in the millions of data points is that there absolutely is a secret code and there is an underlying deep-rooted belief system that separates the top performers from from, from the rest. Now, I'll give you one minor example because that, 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 that was your question. So one of the things that we looked at was the degree to which a salesperson believes that they are in control of their destiny or in control of their success. And what we looked at is two sub-measures that we happen to call hero and victim. And we call those journey motivators. So a hero is somebody who believes that regardless of the economic environment, interest rates, barriers, problems, COVID, all of those things, they will find a way around it. They'll find a way over it. They'll find a way under it. Um, whereas a victim is somebody who's always got a reason why they can't deliver, why they can't hit their quota, why they can't achieve their goals and metrics. What was really interesting about the research is even the best performers had a little bit of victim behavior, but an awful lot of hero behavior. But of course, as you would imagine, the poorer performers are far more victim-like and less hero-like. So that's just one measure that distinguishes the best from the rest. If that if that if that makes sense. So so I quite often think about this like the ingredients in a cake. Um, or if you think about, okay, let's take a let's take a US US. If you take Coca Cola, we all read the back of the can. We know what goes in it, but we can't replace the taste. So the secret code. Um, the measures are fairly obvious, but what isn't obvious is what's the optimum balance? What's the trade-off that makes it taste perfect or in the world of selling is likely to give you the success that you deserve? So you talk about those underlying values and and, and the hero versus the victim, and, and that makes a, a whole lot of sense. What what were some of the drivers, though, that were there common traits of the people that were heroes and not victims? What got them there? Or, or is there, is there not, was there a roadmap to get to to that higher that higher place? Look, uh, look there's a whole series of underlying behaviors that that are more likely to emanate in a person um, becoming hero like in their in their mindset so you tend to find that those who are insatiably curious so those people who want to learn who want to understand who want to unpack things who want to get to the truth they're more likely to have an open-minded mindset as to where i can get to so i'll give you a real example <clears throat> happens to be out of london happens to be pre-pandemic but i um i ran a conference for around about 100 sales people and my one of my early questions 
introduced to the audience is who is the top performer in the room? Now, here's a cultural difference. Because it was in the in, in the UK, nobody put their hand in the air. If it was in New York, I'd probably get 15 people with their hand in the air. Right? Okay, so there's a difference. Anyway, one of the leaders pointed me at the top performer. So I went over to him. I was fully mic'd up. I went over to him in the corner. And my question to him was, how many of the other 99 people in the room have banged on your door in the last year to buy you a coffee to find out how you became the number one performer? Now, what happened, unsurprisingly, is he went very quiet. And what generally that means is I don't quite know how to answer the question. I don't really want to embarrass my colleagues. But eventually, through the use of silence, he said, well, actually, I don't think anyone did. Now, let's take that a stage further. Why did the 99 not do that? Well, the reason that most of them wouldn't have done that is their brain will have been saying he hit lucky he had the best accounts um it won't happen next year he was helped by his manager he got more leads than everybody else got and therefore they won't bother to show curiosity they won't bother to dig deep they won't bother to explore and therefore what will happen the following year is he will be in the top three and they will be where they were in the previous year too so that's a mindset example so if you believe that engaging with top performers if you believe that being curious if you believe that being brave is is likely to uncover aspects of a top performer that you can copy and paste into your world, you will be correct. I think it's Henry Ford that once said, if you believe you can or you can't, you will be correct. Absolutely. And I do think that there, in every business, there's a desire in some cases to reinvent the wheel. And um, I know that early on, I've been in, in this end of the business that I'm in now since 2007. And early on in 2007, 2008, I remember I wanted to do things my way. And it was going to be a completely, completely different way, I guess, of running a business. And, and I very quickly, you know, in going into the great financial crisis, you discovered that, you know what, there's people that have come before you that have already done all the hard work. And so you can take that accumulated knowledge that they have built up and then you can put your own personal flavor on it, but there's no reason to reinvent the wheel. And absolutely, is that something that you see embedded in almost every industry where you have people that's... Um, what, what, all right, let me, let, me, let me phrase the question in a more simple way. Why are we so hard on ourselves <laughs> and, and not just not taking, not taking what, we, what people before us have learned and applied and applying in our own lives? You always see that. It can be physical well, fitness, know, it can be in sales, it can be in anything. Yeah, look, you know, it's a, it's a, great, it's a great question. And, and that's what makes the world in which we're all operating so interesting because it's the psychology of human behavior, you know, which frustrates so many of us. And and by the way, don't see me as as, as perfect. And I often use sport as a metaphor. Um, now, it doesn't matter whether your listeners play golf or not, they will have probably held a golf club at some at some point in their life and i'm yet to meet anyone who's ever perfected golf but that's what makes it so interesting so sales leadership engagement building trust is similar to golf nobody will ever perfect it we will all get it wrong but you can systemize it you can become better you can become scientific you can be curious you can be brave and you can fundamentally change your performance if you're up for it and 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 that's the real thing, the degree to which you are up for it. So do you convince yourself you can't or do you convince yourself you can? And it's not a linear black and white thing. It's not about um, I believe I can weave magic and therefore I'll flick a switch and tomorrow it might happen. It might take you two years, three years, five years to get to your desired uh, state. But all of us can get there, whatever that might be, you know, whether that's becoming happier, whether that's running a marathon, whether that's um, becoming a CEO, whatever, whatever our goal and dream and ambition is, every one of us can, can, can get there, providing we believe we can get there. And then as a consequence, we start to behave in a way that is most likely to get us there. So modeling others, uh, learning and developing, being open-minded, being brave, being curious, all of those kind of things are more likely to get us there um, than they're not. There's a really fantastic book that I read maybe a year or so ago. Um, author's name is escaping me, but it's called Atomic Habits. And his theory, have you read the book as well? I haven't, but I'm familiar with it. Yeah, yeah very good. Because his, his 
his whole theory is that you know to cause massive change in your life and increase the performance in all areas of your life most people all of a sudden if they want to get in shape they go from not running at all and they go out and try to run 10 miles they blow themselves up and they're back on the couch again the next day where his thing is you make these small minor incremental changes on a day-to-day basis you know minor thing like maybe you walk 6,000 steps instead of 5,500 steps. And, and if you do that, the small changes every day, the results at the end of one year, five years, like you're saying, end up being incredibly dramatic. So in terms of with your experience working with top performers in the sales world, are these people that did, it's a two-part question, were they born with a unique skill set and an ability to connect with people? Because that's really, I think, what salesman, salesmanship is all, is all about. Okay, or so... I'm sorry, go ahead. I like, I, sorry, I didn't mean to cut across you no, there. No. Um, yeah. you know, but I really like that whole sort of positioning of are you born like it or are you made yes. like it? Um, so, in, you know, in my opinion, there are some people who are, um, as, as very young people, naturally talented. So we see that in the world of sport, uh, for, for example. Uh, there are some people that are um, developed to become brilliant. Now, I know this is not a US sport, but let me, ta- let me take soccer for a moment, given the fact we've just ended did the world cup the two Same best game players... too. it was an amazing yeah right, okay. okay so there are two the two top players in the world are uh, messi and ronaldo so most most people who follow soccer or or football whichever label we'd like to put on it would say that messi was born brilliant and ronaldo made himself brilliant um so ronaldo made himself brilliant through training modeling others studying others going that extra mile um, whereas I think Messi was more naturally brilliant, and you see that in 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 golf, you see that in business. So I think that's that's incredibly encouraging for anyone listening to this call because it it it's essentially saying it doesn't matter what your start point is, you can develop yourself to become something. Actually, you never imagined you could become. Can you give me an example of one of the most transforma- transformational people that you've seen in this world where you where through your work that you've done with companies where you've, you've seen somebody completely turn around their performance? Okay, well, I'm going to uh, l- let me give you an individual that we inter- so, so actually I wrote a, a, a following book after sales called The Leader Secret Code. Uh, one of the things that we've done in, in in both of those books, apart from the academic research, we, we've modelled exceptional people. And in fact, let me give you two examples. So there's a lady in America called Erica Feidner. I found her because Inc.com, in an article, acknowledged that she is one of the top five salespeople of all time. And I think by recollection, two of the other five were dead. So she was one of the few that was available. Erica, at the time we interviewed her, sold Steinway pianos. So the most expensive pianos in the world. So, you know, if you're at Elton John, you play a Steinway piano. Erica sold something of the order of 20 times the number of pianos per year that the average Steinway piano seller sold globally. So there's an exceptional individual. So we interviewed her because she exemplified much of the research that we did. But I'm going to give you one thing that was was quite magical about her. So she she did not believe that she was a salesperson. Um, she believed that she was a piano matchmaker. So she saw her dream or her job of making the dreams of her potential customers come true. So if you are a non-playing individual who would love to be able to play a grand piano and invite all of your friends around to your home for a social occasion, she would she would move mountains and potentially spend years finding you the right piano, helping you learn how to play, helping you achieve your your outcome. And so so that's about your identity. So that's about what how you see yourself. So if I see myself as the piano matchmaker, I'm going to behave in a way that is congruent with it. If I see myself as a salesperson, I'm probably likely to get dragged into price and cost and a transactional type type relationship. So that's a good example. I'm going to give you another example. I'm going to give you a leader, and it's one of the one of the leaders um, we, you know we interviewed in the in the in in the secret code, and um, he he's a really interesting man. Okay, so he, he's from the UK. He was brought up in a very poor 
environment. Some, some of your readers might not be familiar with the name I'm about to give you, but he once he once told me that his father was the South of the River franchise of the Cray Brothers. Um, so the Cray Brothers are gangsters. Um, anyway, when his father was in prison, his mother escaped to South Africa with him as a child. When he was in South Africa, he said he was the luckiest man in the world because he got shot at 10 times and only hit twice. Anyway, that's a start in life. Eventually, he became the CEO of his own company. He was a very sales-oriented guy. He was um, awarded in the UK an OBE. He's a man in his late 50s. In the last 12 months, he ran 40 marathons on 40 consecutive days to raise in excess of $100,000 for, 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 for charity. So why am I, why am I saying that? I'm saying that because here is somebody who started uh, with not a lot of support, not a lot of help, with a poor education, uh, poor role models, but actually was able to set his goals high and over a period of time do some remarkable things. So if you just take the 40 marathons and 40 days, again, he didn't flick a switch and do those tomorrow. That would have taken three years of training, um, honing his um uh, his strength, his fitness, um, his emotional resilience, his mindset, his state to be able to pull that off when, you know, we all know if we're doing something like that and you wake up in the middle of the night and think, why am I running another marathon? Yeah. yeah. So, so you know, there are so many great examples of people who've done exceptional things and it starts with their deep rooted belief that they can pull it off. Where does that come from? Is there a common so, denominator for that? Yes, you know, look, um, that's, a, that's a great question. So if you take him, that won't have come from his upbringing. That would have come from his life's experiences. It would have come from exposing himself to others who are successful. It will come from admiring others. Um, so, so if you think about somebody maybe who's... Uh, in the 30s or 40s, who's stuck in a stuck in a rut. If I were their coach, or if I were running a development program, what you can't do is you can't tell somebody to change their deep rooted belief systems. But what you can do is you can expose people to the art of the possible. You can expose people to other people who've achieved things when actually their talent isn't as good as them. You can encourage them. You can be, build their self-esteem. You can change their confidence. You can um, encourage them. Oh, and by the way, you can also provoke them because sometimes provocation gets people to try things that they've never tried before. And then all of a sudden they find out they quite like it and they're quite good at it. Yeah. So there's a whole series of techniques by which you can get people to change that perspective. It's interesting, though, because you talk about you can show somebody maybe that's struggling in a specific area. You can show somebody that's done what at least they're saying they want to achieve. And hopefully they'll admire that and they'll seek to, to, to replicate that in themselves. But is there is it possible? I think that some people. You know, I've met people as 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 you have that that have been brought up in, like you'd mentioned here, in the most terrible circumstances, and yet yep. they they've gone on to achieve something absolutely incredible. Even Joe Rogan, I think, in his podcast has said several times some of the most interesting people that he's ever interviewed are people that had terrible sure. backgrounds, people yep. that had to overcome these enormous obstacles. Yeah. But what is what's the difference between the person that resigns themselves that they are a product of their history and their environment, and the person that despite everybody telling them what they can't do, because the world is full of people telling you what you can't do. And in spite of that, is able to overcome that and achieve great. And greatness can be relative. Greatness for somebody that's never gotten off the couch can be walking 5K. But, uh, but, but what I guess I'm trying to get at the bottom of that because I don't know the answer to that. I don't know where that internal drive comes from. Look, you know, I, I don't think there's an easy answer to it. Look, all I've observed, you know, given I'm now a man in my 60s, so, so I've seen the good, the bad and the ugly, is that sometimes people just simply make small choices that aren't the best choice. 
so they're more comfortable it's easier um I mean, you know look a minor a minor example we're heading towards the end of the end of the year there will be many people that will start 2023 with a new year's resolution um <clears throat> and that will be to get fitter to lose weight to achieve something um the the research that goes into that says that if you share your goal with other people, you are significantly more likely to achieve it than you are if you keep it to yourself. Right. So so there's a little message. If you internalize the fact that you want to make more money, be happier, achieve more, achieve more things, you're less likely to do that than if you publicize it. So there's a little message that actually says often people need to be pushed, provoked, made to feel a little bit uncomfortable and and that will that will drive them towards making small decisions that are better decisions that then lead to a better outcome and when they get that better outcome that then will become potentially a self-fulfilling prophecy that fuels their future but it but it is really really difficult and you know like you I I I know many families where you know doesn't matter whether it's sons or daughters, but one of them is massively successful and another one isn't. Um, same environment, came, same parents, yeah, same, same parents, same upbringing, all, all of those kind of things. And 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 actually, quite often, you know that they have the same in, innate talent, but one has just made better choices. In some cases, you know? I would argue that some of the people that that I've seen that have been massive, massively successful have less talent. In terms of less less raw intellectual horsepower, yeah. less talent, yeah. Um, yeah. and they've had to overcome different challenges, and that's made them almost better in every way. Versus the person that was given, tell me about it. Born with these with these incredible gifts, but has never no. utilized them to their. No, tell me about it. You know, and I think you know if you you know if you were to analyze that, what what you might what you might say is just if you were to trade one thing off as against another have less intellect and more bravery yes. well, all of a sudden that'll move you forward have less knowledge but more curiosity um great, that will get you to a better line. you know you know one of, one of the leaders i interviewed had a fantastic line and he was a military leader and he got in the uk what is called a military cross for you know it's an award for extreme bravery in in war situations and um you know he's he 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 uses a phrase that says be interested not interesting and that's really that's really powerful from a leadership and a sales point of view because again that's saying ask people questions be curious you don't have to know everything and tell everybody your wisdom because your wisdom may be irrelevant to them show an interest in them focus on other people so again that means you, you know you don't have to have a master's degree in whatever the subject is you just have to show sufficient curiosity have done your homework have done your research and have an ability to engage yeah i and i think that's that's absolutely that's absolutely true and, and you look at the people that i think are that do most of the listening in many cases the other people walk away from that that transaction that they had not even a business transaction but that that connection that they had and they feel great because they've actually yeah. feel like for the first time they've been hurt Yes. I, I, want to go, I want to go back to you to our Steinway sales lady for a second, because I, you said something that really resonated with me. And uh, in terms of she viewed herself as a piano matchmaker. So that there's a deep, the, the, the purpose was not her going in and selling X number of pianos, because ultimately at the end of that, who cares? The purpose was connecting people with something that was going to lead to a beautiful experience in their life or their family or something like that. And I've been thinking about this and I don't know how to properly articulate it, but I think that the people that, I have found across all industries that have been massively successful, they have a deep sense of purpose with that. There's something beyond the numbers. I mean, I'll use, I'll use my wife as an example. So my wife's brilliant. She's, she's a chair of the Department of Development for Mayo Clinic uh, for the West Region. So she runs all the fundraising for the West Region for Mayo Clinic. She crushes it. She's just been phenomenal. She's been in this role for about six years now. When you ask her if she was sitting right here, she's also a total hypochondriac. You know, we joke about it all the time. And her, she believes in the organization, but she also believes that she's bringing in these dollars for Mayo Clinic to solve 
to solve cure diseases that now it'll be one less thing that she'll have to worry about when she gets older. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's a deep sense of purpose behind matching people with what their priorities might be and a mission or, or a goal that Mayo Clinic has. And other people I've met that have been ex extremely successful have that same sense of purpose. Is, is that, do you find that as well in your research that purpose Absolutely. beyond? Absolutely. So, so, before I wrote the SaaS person secret code, actually, I was going to write the entrepreneur's secret code. And I, I won't bore you with the background of, of what got that started. But I interviewed quite a number of successful entrepreneurs. And what was really interesting was that none of them talked about doing what they did in order to make money. None of them talked about what they were doing to make money. And I gave them lots of opportunities to say that, you know, because I, I, I almost wanted them to declare that as a, as a goal, as an objective. All of them talked about doing what they did because they were in love with it. They were passionate about it. They were energized about it. And because of that, that meant they became very good at it. And because they became very good at it, they then happened to make quite a bit of money. Um, so it's a sequencing. So, it, you know, it's, it's almost like if you are, if you're advising somebody, uh, 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 somebody who wants to become an entrepreneur, you know, absolutely the advice has to be to find something that you love, find something that you are passionate about, something that energizes you, and then become world class at it and focus on becoming world class. And then as a consequence, the money will flow. And I've got a feeling the famous Steve Jobs, you know, when he did his talk at Stanford University, was guiding the graduating students there I, I i forget the exact phrase but find a job that you love and i thought that was quite 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 profound um and i think incredibly important in in, in my humble opinion look there's a we, we all need to be realistic so i mentioned dan pink um uh, earlier he he wrote a book called drive which is about the surprising truth about what motivates us and um and his research suggests that money doesn't motivate anyone but there is a threshold so we all need to earn enough money to buy a home buy a car educate our children go on holiday but once we get beyond that um actually the evidence suggests that if we get paid more money we'll we'll, we'll deliver less output so if you if you are that person or you're leading that person, you've got to find out what what is it that gets that person out of bed in the morning. What is it that will energize them, motivate them? And there's a lovely phrase which which doesn't originate from me. You need to understand what makes their heart sing. Understand what makes their heart sing, and that's a better question than what are your goals and ambitions because what what often happens when you have a conversation with somebody if you ask the goals and ambitions you tend to get a corporate answer if you ask what what is it that makes your heart sing people often find that a little bit difficult to answer immediately because they've really got to think quite deeply about what that might be and what might feel like and what that might be like but as soon as you under begin to understand that then whoever you are whether you're an advisor whether you're a leader or whether you're a salesperson you can then begin to help them get more of that that's <clears throat> that's an interesting thing is that there's a man named gary bear excuse me barry garapedian he's a morgan stanley advisor out in la actually i met several years ago one of the top in the entire morgan stanley system and i was fortunate enough to have lunch with him probably five or six years ago and I asked him, why have you been so successful at what you've done? Because the guy's been absolutely incredible and he has been for years. And he says, I find their emotional point and I meet them there. And I, it's, it sounds like almost that's that rhymes a little bit with what makes your heart sing. So in, in, yeah. he's finding with these people what it is that that makes that that drives them, that pushes yes. them forward. Yes. Now, now, let me ask you this. And this, this could be a tougher question, but do you find it? I think there's a lot of people out there at least for sure, for sure in the last couple of years that I think feel fairly lost and without purpose. It some it somewhat seems to me to be increasing. Do, would you agree with that or no? Um do, do you know, I'm not sure. I've not really thought about that. You know, it may, it, they may well be. I, I you know, I wonder what I do see is people questioning why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. So maybe that's a similar, maybe that's a similar thing, but is that, is that about, do I want to get away from 
from the pain of what I'm doing or do I want to go towards something I would love to do? And has the environment driven more people to think about that? So, so for example, if you take the UK, there's a momentum for people to move out of London into rural communities. There's a momentum for people working at home more than working in a in 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 an office so you know maybe maybe the catalyst for that is people are feeling a little bit lost a little bit directionless um wanting to find what the new model is to get what they might want and there does seem to be some data that progressively more people are unhappy in a work environment <clears throat> now that's always quite interesting because that then that then says, well, okay, so is your motivation to escape from what you don't like, or is your motivation to go towards what you do like? And probably my fear, and I can't back this up with any data, is too many people want to get away from what they don't like, but they haven't worked out what they do like. Yeah, I think I think you're right on with that. And and I think that um you know, escape versus escaping from life versus moving towards something. I've I've seen at least it's felt like to me that there's that there are more people that are less engaged with the world around them that's yeah. been a, pro a product yeah. of everything we've been through for the last couple of years yeah. and, and is there anything that somebody maybe that's feeling that way that um that is in that escapism because there is a difference there's a huge difference yeah yeah what what advice what what advice would could you give them to to find that thing that makes their heart sing is there it, what kind of introspection can they go through to to hopefully find that well, I think you already hit the nail on the head. I think it's introspection. Look, you know, there isn't an answer for everybody um, in, a, in, a, in a linear way. But things I would encourage people to do is to slow down, to spend time reflecting on what went well, what didn't go well, what did they like, what did they not like. Begin to write down and build up a pattern of themes, maybe in the back of their black book. You know, so it's not part of their daily routine or activity, but they're building up a picture of how they want to be and where they want to be in the future. Too, too, too many people, in my humble opinion, are operating at 100 miles an hour um, with an endless list of things to do, and they don't slow down and reflect and consider and explore. You know, and actually quite often what also that means is that they, they they often are hard on themselves when actually they've achieved so much. So so there's also an element in there about giving yourself a pat on the back, acknowledging the things that you've achieved and accomplished to build your own self-esteem, but also to give you clues and signposts as to where you might go in the future. And 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 look again without overdoing this, um, just opening your mind and being curiosity curious and exploring the art of the possible. You know, in this day and age, you know, with social media and everything that is available to us, you know, you can find out about anything that might whet your appetite, that might make your heart sing, that might energize you in, in, in ways that in my generation, when I was a younger, younger man, you know, you didn't get that stuff. You know, it was, it was a little bit of what did your family do for a living? What do the people around you do for a living? And you follow them. Yeah. Nowadays, I think, you know, the opportunities are, are wide and deep if, if you're up for exploring them. Have you found a common denominator too of some of these top performers? Is there a sense of gratitude that they have for where they're at today? You've got to look forward and have those future goals. But I also think you have to have, you've touched on a little bit, but appreciation for where you're at now. Is that something that you've seen? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, definitely. Um, almost without exception, you know, the most successful people tend to, um, in my opinion, have a, uh, I said, they're humble. Um, they have humility. They have an air of confidence, but not arrogant. Now, a lot of people will say that's because they've got to where they've got to. I don't. I don't really believe that. I think that's part of what got them to where they got. What got them to where they got to. Um, in, in in my opinion, and and look, every one of us can find exceptions to 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 the rule. What what are the dangers of modelling people? Is if 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 you go and look at iconic people in the world in order to replicate what they do, quite often the iconic people tend to be the outrageously outgoing people who are on a stage, um, who trip off the tongue. They're not necessarily the people to model. The people to model are 
sometimes those who are a little bit more introverted, a little quieter, aren't on the stage, but are doing incredible things. So sometimes spending the time to uncover and establish the people that you can really learn from and the people that you can really find uh, the key to the cupboard for you is an investment worth worth, worth making. Yeah, and what I've found as well, and, and, uh, and, and you touched on this a little bit too when you mentioned that conference you were at in London, I've been amazingly fortunate both in my former institutional career on Wall Street and then since I've been in, in this end of the business in 07. There hasn't been a case that I can think of where when I went to someone that was doing better than me or had more experience than me, if I asked them for advice where they didn't help. Absolutely right. Absolutely. Bang on the nail. So, so, so here's the thing. So successful people will listen to what you said then and believe that as a truth. And they will take that on board and copy and paste that into their world and begin to bang on the door. Other people will say, mm, it's not like that in my state, or it's not like that in my world. Um, and therefore, what will happen is their behavior will follow the belief and they won't try. So when we interviewed these iconic people for our books, seven seven out of 10 people that we approached were ap absolutely up for it. Yeah. And there were pretty good reasons why the others couldn't make it, didn't want to do it. And it didn't really matter. So, so reaching out to get help to get insight to get ideas and and sometimes you, you know brent I, I i often think you can learn from every experience so you can learn from the good you can learn from the bad you can learn from the ugly so you can learn what to do and what not to do so so if 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 you explore an event a book a video yeah, a ted talk or whatever whatever that might be yeah i i believe that you can get something out of every one of them and if you then to to your point earlier you didn't use the phrase but the aggregation of marginal gains if you take a whole series of small things over a period of time you might already be an olympic bronze medal winner but you can shift to silver yeah so it's not about it's not about change who you are and transform yourself it's about adding a series of very small subtle changes um that shift you forward that distinguish you from others that that are the difference that makes the difference definitely and, and i want to do clarify when i say people that, that always offered help they never did it for me <laughs> what the, because yeah. and, and what you found is particularly when you're younger you're like oh my gosh like, can't they just tell me exactly how to do this they would give you clues so you could figure it out yourself yeah. because they want, they didn't want to deprive you of that experience of achieving it on your own. And that, that that's a, and that's, um, that, that's a big distinction there for sure. I think, Look, and I, you know, I really like that. And, um, you, you know, there's a, this is a dangerous one to say, but I'm, but I'm going to say it. women, women are better at asking for help than men. Inter well, interestingly. Right. Yeah. So one of the things for any men listening to this is become better or become masters at asking for help. And I know, yes. And I would also add to this and I'm kind of in this middle range. I'm, I'm going to turn 50 in about six months. So I'm, I'm, you know, you've accumulated a little bit of wisdom at this point, you know, but, but it's not like I'm not 75 or 80 or 90 where you've got a lifetime yep. of wisdom. But the one thing I would definitely suggest for, for any really any age age ranges i've got a few people that are well into their 70s that every opportunity i have i have a cup of coffee with them i just pick their brains in terms of you know what's what's happening in the world and some advice and anyone younger that's listening to this in your 20s i would really suggest that they find people that they can reach out to almost with that kind of a relationship because what you'll find is is that anyone that's done something and achieved something they want to share it it's it, it's it's in, it's it's woven into the fabric of who they are and it's it's a way for them to to sort of give back to a lifetime that in many cases is, there's been struggles and challenges but overall it's been very good and and they're they're very willing to do that so i would just i would tell younger people or even pe even people my age or any age don't be afraid to to ask ask, ask that question uh, in terms of hey can can you give me some advice here because it's it, 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 it's amazing how often the answer is yes 
and and you can learn so much from those interactions. Absolutely, I couldn't uh, you know I couldn't agree more. And I think if it, you know people take one thing away from this uh, call, it's about that insatiable curiosity right. um, and the bravery to ask the people that you might even imagine might reject you because they won't go buy them a coffee, go buy them a glass of wine, go pick their brains and find out, yeah, how they managed, how they coped, what their technique was, yeah, what their idea is, you know, and. And again, without overdoing this and turning people into psychologists, sometimes you do want to dig a little bit deep, you know, because you might find out what person's technique is. But what you really want to know is also what goes on in their head. How did they prepare? How did they think? Um, how did they overcome the nerves or the demons or the challenges or the barriers that are in the in the way? And if you can then get those coping mechanisms that actually they internalize and you can't see. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm guessing that you probably detail some of them in this book here. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so so let, let me give you a little, I'll give you a little one. Um, I, I, I always quite like this. So there's a famous politician, very, very British called Winston Churchill. So oh, yes. most people globally will know Winston Churchill. A painting now, of Churchill in my house, actually. Well, there you go. Great uh, man how, of the 20th century. How, how, how cool is that? So, yeah. So apparently, and and this really surprised me when I read about this, but he sometimes was nervous when he had to present in front of huge audiences. So what his technique was or what his coping mechanism was, is he would look at the audience and he would imagine that they had holes in their socks. Right, They had holes in their socks and that would therefore put a smile on his face and that would make him feel better and superior to the people that he was presenting to. Now, that's a that's a generational thing, and it's quite a traditional, formal thing. But you know, if you know, if you go back to his time, yeah, mothers would tell you know their their sons in particular, do not go out with holes in your socks, you know, because right. you go run over, run over, <laughs> the ambulance driver's got to see what see what you're wearing. But it's 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 it's, it's that's what would go on in his head that would then make him smile. That's a coping technique. It's one of your examples of a small marginal activity that when added to others will then propel you forward interesting interesting well i really want to thank you for for taking uh time out of your evening it's morning for me here but evening for you there to, to have this conversation and i'd encourage um uh anyone before i ask you ask you to tell us all how to find you but i just just search ian just search ian's information on amazon there's several books out there but why don't you give um the listening audience some other ways that they can find you and find your work well, look, the the easiest way is on LinkedIn. Um, so it's Ian Mills, that's I-A-N. It's typically a Scottish name, but not a Scottish spelling. Um, and then Mills is M-I-L-L-S. So you will find me on, 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 on LinkedIn. The company that I run is called Transform Performance um, International. You obviously know that particular book that we've um, been talking about as the salesperson secret code. So search on any of those combinations and you'll find me on LinkedIn. Um, you, you can also find my company's website. You can connect with me on there. But anyone who reaches out to me on LinkedIn, absolutely, I will connect with you. Um, you know, I'm an avid believer in building uh, networks. If I can help any of you in any shape or form, whatever that might be, I'm, 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 I am more than up, more than up for that. So um, that's what I would suggest. Oh, look, my email address is ian.mills at transformperformance.com. It's an incredibly long one. So it's ian.mills at transformperformance.com. Feel free to email me. One more Go quick on. question, because when people are going to be listening to this, rather, uh, it's going to be the beginning of 2023. And and what I've found where if I've if I've gotten a lot of useful information has been bombarded at me, like as I believe you shared with us today, I just try to sift it down to one thing and then try to implement that one thing for a little bit until it becomes a habit for people that have listened to this and are intrigued by this idea of the right mindset to find success, whether it's in sales or any aspect of their life. What's one thing they can do starting in January or when they hear this conversation that can get them on that track? Um, look, I, I have to really give you two because I'm going to give you a behavior. Um, so the behavior is master the art of being curious. Uh, the way you do that is to play games with yourself and that, uh, that tricks your mind. So for example, if you have a client meeting for maybe an hour, um, in that hour, 
don't tell the client anything, only ask them questions. And then you can give your, yourself a high five in the car park because you've focused entirely on them in terms of getting a deep understanding of what motivates them, what they want, what they need, and so on and so forth. And by the way, if you if 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 you try and master that, um you can embed your knowledge and information in the framing of the question. Yeah. So so that's the behavior that I would focus on becoming an exemplar at. Um, here's, a, here's, like a, here's a little offer for you. Anyone who buys the book, and by the way, this is not an advertisement to buy, buy a book. Publishers of business books do not make money. Right. So anyone who buys a book, if anyone would like to do a benchmarking questionnaire, then email me or connect with me on LinkedIn and, and, and request to do that. So we have a an online benchmarking tool that will generate a 25 page report okay. around where you are, what the gaps are and what you might consider doing in order to move towards what the top performing salespeople are like. And I'm happy to do that free of charge. And would um, that would apply for any business. That'll apply for any business. So I'm okay. going to put, I have to put a cap of 50 people on that oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> for, for, for obvious reasons. But yeah, anyone who makes contact with me as a result of this, um, this, this podcast, then um, I'm more than happy to do that for them. Well, that's a, that's a fantastic uh, opportunity. I think and I, I might take you up on that. Ian. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Bring it on. Yeah. All right. And th again, thank you so much. And I'll let you now get to that evening glass of wine in the beautiful United <laughs> Kingdom. Brilliant. Thanks very much indeed. Absolutely. Gentlemen, this has been fantastic. Um, Ian, yeah, we are almost done. I just want to thank you so much for uh, being a great guest on the podcast. Of course, Brent, I don't know how you find all these guests. I mean, the, the, I just the, ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there, there you go. go. Be curious. Ask questions. And you did. Yeah. You asked and like. Ian answered. So I appreciate that. And of course, our last thank you always goes to the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Smart Money Simplified podcast with Brent Mikosh. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Brent comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at MP Advisors, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Smart Money Simplified Podcast. Have any questions about topics covered during the show? Visit www.smartmoneysimplified.com or give us a call at 602-255-0555. Don't forget to click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the hosts and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Raymond James Financial Services Incorporated. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your individual situation. Securities are offered through Raymond James Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA, and SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors Incorporated, MP Advisors, LLC, is not a broker slash dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services.